great. Yeah, so I walked out of one situation uh, a couple weeks ago and right into another. <laughs> it's what happens when you're ice skating and doing flips in the air. You know, you <laughs> fracture your fibula. No, actually, I was just uh, <laughs> walking. <laughs> just one of those things, right? Um, I did a post and yesterday. Uh, Matt always says, uh, someone told him once that you're either walking, um, you're either in a trial, walking out of a trial, or getting ready to go into a trial, right? So we know the trials aren't from God. But it's so true, because as long as we're in these, you know, mortal, corruptible bodies, flesh and bone, you know, uh, things are going to happen. We're in a world um, with people who are living after the wisdom of the serpent, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's going to be stuff that's going on that we don't like. It isn't always going to look like God's life, but just because it doesn't look like that doesn't mean it isn't present and in us. And so um, the Lord, you know, I've been, I was reading in Ezekiel about the Valley of the Dry Bones and that song, Dry Bones, hear the word of the Lord. And, um, you know, it was like the Lord asked me, you know, can these bones live? And I said, yes, Lord, yes, they can live because I see no bones in the grave. I am flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. And you are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. And yeah. we live in that, that new, Greg was talking about the new creation. It's, it's a new year. And, um, you know, the, it's all about what God has done from the beginning in creating and, and bringing us into the desire and the purpose and the plan of his heart all along. Um, and that's what we fix our eyes on when we're going through things. So um, Christmas Eve, I woke up. Uh, this happened Wednesday, so this was before that. I woke up just not feeling not feeling um, very positive. <laughs> you know, you just have one of those mornings where you just wake up feeling that way. I was worried about things, um, all kinds of stuff. I won't get into all that. But, you know, I said to, the, to Abba, <laughs> Abba, what do you see? What do you see in all this? You know, I want to know what you see and, and how you feel and, you know, how to look at this all. And so I... Um, Normally, I would turn on a message or music or something, but I thought, you know what? I'm just going to read the Word. Amazing what the Word can do <laughs> inside of you, how it can come alive. And so I started reading in um, the Faith Translation. John Fazio authored the Faith Translation. Um, we all know about it. And um, it's just so beautiful to read the Faith Translation because the faith of the Son of God really does come out the faith is just it's amazing um when i read from from this translation and so i'm just going to read the first um, eight verses from ephesians 1 and then talk about what happened paul an apostle and messenger of the gospel of jesus christ by the will of god to all those set apart for his life that are in Slidell, Louisiana, and to the ones who are persuaded by the faith of Christ Jesus. Well, we know he said to the ones who are in Ephesus, but we're all here, so this is for all of us, and to all those who are persuaded by the faith of Christ Jesus. 
His grace and the peace it gives to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Spoken well of and highly celebrated with the most eloquent of speech is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has bestowed upon us his children the same blessing. Do you know you are spoken well of and highly celebrated with the most eloquent of speech? Who has bestowed upon us his children, the same blessing in the word he spoke about us in Christ Jesus, who is seated, who is seated right now, an immortal man in the glory and honor of the Father at the right hand of majesty on high, exactly as he has chosen us to be in him before death entered at the foundation of the world so that we would be set apart for his life and stand without accusation before him in love. <laughs> or sit <laughs> without accusation. <laughs> there might have been a time when um, the accusation could have come to me and said, well, if you're a child of God, look at what happened to you. This, does, you know, this doesn't mean you're a child trying to tell me that I'm not. <laughs> but you know what? That wasn't the first thought that happened, that came to my mind and was in my heart when I went down. <laughs> the first thought was, let there be light. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And I knew he was with me. And, um, and so praise God. <laughs> Having determined from the beginning that we as his children should have his same life as he now declared us as his rightful children and sons through the resurrection of the man Jesus Christ, redeeming us back to himself and his original purpose for us and according to the good pleasure and satisfaction of his will. To the only life that he determined was praiseworthy and fitting for his children. Of his good view and opinion, which he declared in his grace, toward them, toward us all, in raising Jesus Christ to his life and immortality, wherein he has also loved us and freely given us the same life, preserving our lives incorruptible inside of the beloved, in whom we have redemption from death through his blood that ran out, releasing us from death's bondage, the sending away of its sting, our trespasses, wherein we formerly labored in vain, showing forth the riches of his grace, kindness, and mercy towards us through Christ Jesus, wherein he has lavished upon us his love and has given us all wisdom and understanding. We could just stop and end right there. But as I was reading those verses, it was like God just brought me into this place where I was seeing what his will is, seeing from the beginning. And so I had shared a, a post about it, uh, just some of it, and it was like two pages. And then over the last 
week or so, it became a lot more pages than that. But <laughs> so those of you that might have read it on Facebook, it might sound a little bit familiar. But I was having this revelation of the light of truth more deeply planted in my heart about some significant, magnificent, amazing words spoken by God. Perhaps the best four words ever spoken, though there are so many. But without these four words, there aren't any more to follow. The first words God our Father spoke, God himself, the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the deep, you know, when we read that in Genesis, the earth was without form and void. It, it wasn't there yet. It was below the deep, below the waters. And God is hovering like a bird hovers over a nest heavy with eggs, fluttering and ready to birth and bring forth new life. God was just so full, full of life. Us, his, seeing us, his children, wanting to bring us forth to share in his life, to give us his very same life. And that's actually um, the meaning of the word hover. Is it's, it's, it's like a bird hovers over a nest heavy with eggs, fluttering ready to give birth and bring forth new life, hovering over the waters where we lay hidden below in the dirt and of the dirt, but created in God's image to inherit his likeness, given the breath of his life and seed of his life to be clothed with his life. Those words, those first four words being the very word itself, let there be light. Let there be Jesus. Let there be Christ. He said them and he saw them and he saw that what he said was and is good. He saw what he determined and purposed in his heart before he created anything. With the words he spoke, Christ, let there be light. And in those words, we see the full expression of what God spoke and said was good in Jesus Christ as the very word about our lives. And just what was it God spoke in those words? What was in those words? Let there be light. He spoke sonship to us, for that is what the light declares, that we should be his sons and daughters, his children, and possess the very same life in himself through his spirit, and he declared it when he spoke those words in Christ Jesus, those four very powerful words, let there be light, that he himself would be our light and that we would reign in his life. He is the light of all men, the light that lighteth every man and every woman, <laughs> the light of the world. His light and life shines in the darkness. Even when the darkness and death came, it could not overcome the light. The will and intention and testament of God our Father stands above and shines glorious in all wisdom and power in Christ, the light of our lives. The darkness has no power over the light. It could not overcome the light. But instead, the light burst 
forth through the deep, through the darkness, through death, and came out shining, radiant, eternal, immortal, glorified by and with the life of the Father forevermore. This is the light that came into the world for us, the very light that formed the world. It's no wonder the star shone so bright on that Bethlehem night. Another glorious declaration testifying of the spirit of prophecy of who this child was and seen in the light of that star, the day star sent to us from on high from God and proceeding out of the throne of the Lamb, out of the rivers of life, out of his mouth through the angels. This is Christ the Lord. Behold, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. Do you hear what I hear? Can you hear him calling you out of the darkness and into his light? 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ as the very word about us. His word spoken and brought into being, into existence in the form of Jesus Christ, the first and the last the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the Word of God in the beginning who created all things, who was and is God forevermore, who said, let there be light, and saw that it was good, and says, let there be light again and again and again to us. We see it throughout Scripture. We see it throughout history recorded in the Bible. He's always bringing forth the light. He's always saying, let there be light. And he says it to us in our lives. He's revealing, setting forth before our eyes the revelation of Jesus Christ. That there will be no more darkness, no more night, because it has been separated by him for us. We have been forever separated from death's darkness by his arm, his faith, his strength and wisdom, his word, his life, death, burial, resurrection from the dead, and ascension to the right hand of the Father as the word about us. His promise of his life, his light being our light and life from beginning to end, which there is no end. <laughs> Revelation 22.5, well, there will be an end to death the final end to it, the final blow when he returns. But he's already laid the axe to the root. He's already conquered it in the flesh for us. Revelation 22, 5 says, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. We have been called out of darkness and into the marvelous light of his life. His will and his testament being his very self, being God himself. I've been thinking 
so all of that that I just read you came out of Ephesians 1 in those first eight verses because I just sat with God and he made it alive to me and he brought all that forth. And it's just amazing when you, be, when you give God the time, he will give back <laughs> a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So um, something else I've been thinking about was the swaddling cloth that Mary wrapped the baby Jesus in and the burial cloth that the body of Jesus was wrapped in for his burial and found folded up in the tomb. I've been thinking about this all before Christmas. I kept seeing pictures online of empty mangers with the straw and the, the linen cloths in there, and then I, my thoughts just kept going to the empty grave. I made a post mentioning how Jesus the light filled the manger but emptied the grave. Hallelujah! My mind even went to how the manger or the feeding trough in the stable that the baby Jesus was laid in held the perfect lamb, the bread of life, our food for life, his body. And then I thought of the song, Mary, Did You Know? You know the song. Mary, did you know your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know your baby boy would one day, it says rule, but I put the word feed, would one day feed the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Anyways, I knew there was something more about the linen cloths left in the tomb God wanted to reveal. I know the swaddling cloths and the burial cloths both can be seen or represent what the world offers to clothe ourselves in. And Mary would have used those cloths available to her, as in the custom of the day, she would wrap her baby snug and tight, swaddling him in linen clothes to keep him warm and safe and laid in, in a stone manger in the cave where she gave birth. And 33 years later, she would watch as he was wrapped in similar fashion, again with linen cloths in another cave, a stone bed in the tomb. No doubt her thoughts traveled back to the first night he was born when she wrapped her baby boy, the precious Lamb of God, the heavenly sacrifice, the great I am. But just like the swaddling clothes had served their purpose at birth till no longer needed, so too the swaddling clothes for his burial, for they were never intended to hold him captive in that grave. They could never bind the great I am. No clothing of this world could hold him back from the will and intention of the Father for him and for us, not in his life and not in his death. When the light burst forth out of death, those clothes were no longer needed. He was clothed in something else, the glory and immortality of the Father. Then my thoughts went to... But he had to walk out of the tomb, so he wasn't naked, right? I mean, he, when he appeared to everybody, he, he had something on. <laughs> and so I just started talking to the father about that. <laughs> like, um, you know, we had, they, he had to have some type of physical 
clothing to see. And as I sat and asked him these things, as if I was there, as he came out of the tomb, I felt like the father said, yes, he indeed was clothed. And what he was wearing declared something powerful. He wasn't naked. He had something on his flesh and bone body representing something to be seen and understood. It's like he hides all these little things for us to discover. I just love it. So think about this. When Mary Magdalene saw him initially as she stood outside the tomb weeping, who did she think he was? The gardener. And what does the gardener have in his hands? The gardener has the seed to bring forth fruit, right? The gardener also is the one who tends and cares for the garden. He fathers the garden. In John 15, Jesus said, My father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. My father is the husbandman. He is the gardener. Husband mean, husbandman means gardener. If you see me, you see the father, the only one with the seed of eternal, immortal life in himself. That seed, that life, was in Jesus, the Son of Man and Son of God, as he lay in the darkness of that cave, and that seed, the life of the Father in him, burst forth. I could almost see the Spirit again. Let there be light. Let there be light. The Spirit of God hovering over the deep, calling forth his life, calling forth the faith of the Father that was in the Son, the faith of the Son of God, the word of his life and promise, his life out of the body of the corruptible flesh of the man Jesus into the Christ life, the life and immortality of the Father, the will and testament of God in glorified immortal flesh. Now maybe it didn't click in Mary when she saw the gardener that this was her father, but as soon as she heard Jesus call her name, Mary, the light shone forth in her heart. She recognized the voice. She heard him call her name years ago. Mary. She was all too familiar with this voice and she loved this voice. It was light and life to her. She sat at the feet of this voice because she knew the voice of this one loved her. As soon as she heard Mary, she didn't need an invitation to come. Him saying her name was enough for her to run to him, shouting, Rabboni, teacher. She called him rabbi, teacher, master. What was Jesus always teaching about? The Father. It's no wonder at first glance, seeing his clothing, she thought he was the gardener, for the Father is the gardener. He appeared to her as who he is and as her inheritance. Isn't that awesome? Um, the week before Christmas, my husband Matt talked about becoming familiar and, re and discerning the voice of God and how that happens to us through our intimacy and fellowship with him. 
when he talked about Jesus and Peter walking on the water. They all thought he was a ghost, right? And Peter said to Jesus, If it is you, Lord, bid me come. And he heard him say, Come. And the light of his life came forth in Peter at the hearing of that word. He knew that voice, and Peter came down out of the ship, and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When Jesus said, Mary, and when he said, Come to Peter, it's as if he's saying, Let there be light. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. Again, from the faith translation. Having made known by openly unveiling to us the mystery of his will toward us all, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself from before the world began. And having purposed it, does he also oversee it to completion, so that in the fullness of time he might gather together all things as one in Christ, so that both that which is in heaven and on earth would be joined as one incorruptible in him. So what is God's will? For us to know he is our father and his promise to father our lives, to decorate us in his life, for us to know our sonship and daughtership, for us to have the inheritance he prepared for us, the inheritance of him, all he has, all he is, sharing in, having, and being one with his very own eternal, immortal, everlasting life. He prepared his will a long time ago when he declared, let there be light. Jesus said, we can say, or the light said, a body you have prepared for me. God's will and testament is God. If we think of a will as a written will that one would prepare to leave his inheritance to his inheritors, this is what God did in his promise to us. We are his inheritors. And what is in that will of God that he prepared for us? It's no bones in the grave. <laughs> no bones in the grave means eternal life in glorified immortal flesh with him. The very same life Jesus possesses right now, the very same life of the Father, God's will is himself. He himself is his will and his testament to us. So we all know that you don't receive what's in someone's will until they die. So what had to die for us? The body of death is what had to die in order for us to receive the body of life, which is God, which is Christ, which is the spirit of life, the spirit of faith, the tree of life, this body of life that is all of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. There is no separation, no forgiveness of sin and death apart from the shedding of blood. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for us. Continue in Ephesians 11 through 14. Paul writes, In him whom also we have obtained an eternal, an eternal inheritance of his life and immortality, which life he predetermined for us his children from the beginning, 
according to the purpose of the one God and Father who works all things after the plan and counsel of his own will, so that we should be one with his life, the only life he approved and saw fitting for his children of his glory in us who first hoped, looking for that life that Christ would bring. In whom also you have trusted and hoped after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation from death and corruption. In whom after you believed has he set the seal of his sonship upon you, marking you with that Holy Spirit by which he has promised us his life. Which spirit is the guarantee of the inheritance of Christ until the redemption of our corruptible bodies, immortal, unto the only life which he approved and saw fitting for his children of his glory. Now, as if an immortal glorified body of flesh and bone never to die again wasn't enough, God gave us something else in the meantime. He didn't leave us as orphans or fatherless without comfort. John 14, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live. You shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The Holy Spirit given to us as the first fruit or first installment and guarantee of his inheritance in Christ is no small inheritance. It is God himself and the fruit of the spirit of his life. This is something that will carry us all the way through until the redemption of our corruptible bodies being made incorruptible, immortal. It's not like um, an earthly father would leave to his children. No, no, it far supersedes that. It's not portioned out. Like first you would maybe inherit a portion of the inheritance and maybe after you finish college or you reach a certain age or whatever it is that the will you know, stipulates, then you get the rest at the end. So you got to make sure that that lasts, that little bit. We don't have to make sure that this lasts. God has provided the full measure of his Holy Spirit to us. This is him filling us with all of himself. It's provision beyond what we could inherit from this world. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness, faith. It is wisdom, revelation, understanding, gentleness, knowledge. It is the place of intimacy, our secret place. It is trust, rest, assurity, and hope and character. It is creativity, power. It is be fruitful and multiply. 
It is the bread, the wine, and the water, and the word. It is wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting Father. It is the empowering of his life in us to walk in the good works he prepared beforehand. You are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, which he created through the spirit of faith. See him hovering. He's hovering over you. To form us in the image of Christ Jesus and established us upon the good works he has done, which works he has before ordained from the beginning, before death entered, that we should walk in his good works and the fruit of his life. Ephesians 2.8 Because by his grace and strength are you saved from death through being persuaded of the faith that was made flesh in Jesus Christ, which faith is full of power to animate you with his life. And it's not something you can bring forth in yourself. It is the gift of God not as a result of our own works, lest any of us should boast in our own ability and not God's. Praise you, Father. Father, your good works are the root of our lives and what you designed and, de and desired for us to live by. The fruit isn't the root, but the result of the root. It's the sign of it. The sign from where we draw the waters of our life from. The living water from the fountain of life. Flowing down from the Father of light. Where we are established in your love as we drink deep. It is the surpassing greatness of his strength and ability of God in us. With us. Carrying us through our lives as we are continually persuaded. And trusting that he will bring forth his life in us. As we behold the light, the faith of the Son of God, Christ our Savior, our Lord and King, our Father, our Husband, and our Friend. Because we are firmly established in God's good work and designed to walk in His works, from there, from that starting point, being the foundation or the root we find there are also works he has in mind and prepared for us to walk out in. On this earth, in these bodies. I'm going to share um, Michael Smith's post. Um, he lives hey, in the A. Michael. Hey, Mike. <laughs> From South Carolina, Myrtle Beach area. What church is he part of? He, he's part of Rick Sarver's church. What's the name of Grace Life Church. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name, right? Yeah, sorry, sorry Rick. <laughs> um, he shared this post uh, the other day on Facebook, and it was really good, and it went really well with this. Um, he, um, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
Michael said, such an interesting verse, especially when paired with Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. He writes, one aspect of trusting God is trusting that he has prepared me. A second aspect is trusting he will provide the sustenance I need to act on the preparation. I don't always like the good work I see so plainly laid out for me to walk in. It may be repugnant or scary. Maybe I find the work to be difficult or dissatisfying. Maybe the Lord is asking me to let go of a grudge, long held and justified. <laughs> no matter, the question becomes, what voice shall I listen to? Do I heed the voice of my shepherd? Or do I, do I allow myself to be persuaded by the voices of deception? Do I take the sweet poison of the asp into my mind and fool myself? with the old addiction to myself? No, I am a bond servant of Christ and not all good works are feel good works. <laughs> Sometimes the work is hard. <laughs> the apostles were told plainly, as are we in scripture, that though there is great joy to be had as we walk in the way, so there will also be times when our human limits must be jettisoned as we rely on the supernatural unseen strength that is also our inheritance in him. Lord, let me not be deceived. Let me hear only your voice. Let me remember that my heart is forever joined to your servant's heart. Let me recall that I am a new creation in you. And that even as you did things in a way different from the world, so shall I. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Listen, there are things for us to do whether it is working through some trauma or pain in our hearts, which can be really hard or feel like it's really hard. But he's equipped us with the power to do that with him. He's there with us, in us, together. We're co-laboring together with him as we work through these things. Setting us free from lies. to walk in his life. It could be getting a job to feed our family. Um, it could be to walk out of an addiction, serve or give in some way, or give a message sitting in a wheelchair. <laughs> Whatever it is, we are equipped by him for it all. We have everything we need in Christ Jesus, right? And all the while, we are kept safe, secure, sealed up, pitched within and without, in Christ by his Spirit. 
like Noah and his family were in the ark, safe from harm and safe from death's sting, safe from all the accusations, all the accusations that try to come and harm us, steal, kill, and destroy us, and take our eyes off of the life we are kept safe in. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life, and life more abundantly. His life, the Father's life, God's life. Jesus talked about how he longed to gather us to himself as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. In Luke 13, 34. So why does a mother hen do this? Why would he use such a comparison? Well, the mother hen watches for danger. When she sees an animal that could hurt her chicks, she clucks to warn her babies. Some of the baby chicks quickly run under the wings of their mother for safety. The mother hen keeps her chicks under her wings until the danger has passed. I read a story online about one such hen that gathered her chicks safely under her wings during a fire. Sadly, the mother hen didn't make it. She burned. But when the farmer unfolded the wings, her wings, all the baby chicks were alive. The ones that ran to her knew her cluck. <laughs> they knew the sound of her voice, and they were kept safe. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Like that mother hen laid down her life for her baby chicks. <laughs> I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in as well. And they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. No one can snatch us out of his hand. We are kept safe in him. He that dwelleth in the secret place, this is Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Do you ever feel like getting away from all the noisome pestilence in the world? <laughs> well, he's, he's ready. <laughs> he's ready to deliver you from that snare, from that snare of setting your eyes on the things that are all going wrong <laughs> in the world and setting your eyes on him and the life he has for you. He shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. 
A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near you. Because you have a life that is incorruptible. Psalm 36, how precious is your loving devotion, O God, that the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. We see Jesus. We see Christ, the will and testament of God. Thank you, God, for shedding your own blood, for preparing yourself a body, entering into our flesh body of death and devouring death up by your life so we could be one with you, your life, Father, Son, and Spirit life. The darkness could not overcome it, and it cannot overcome it. It is a done deal. Thank you for being our will and testament. Oh, what an inheritance we have. We have you and your life now and forevermore. We are one with you. Thank you for the word about us, which is Christ. Thank you, God, that you were in Christ reconciling the world unto yourself to have your life not just at the cross, but you have always been reconciling your children unto yourself to inherit your very life. He's always been reconciling. He's always been saying, let there be light. From the intention and purpose in your heart in the beginning, before death entered, through the first four words you spoke out of your womb in Christ, in your Son, your logos, your wisdom, your glory and power, let there be light. We have seen you reconciling us back unto yourself from you clothing the first Adam in the garden to the last Adam, Christ Jesus, when you raised him from the dead in glorified flesh and bone, never to die again, is the very same word about us. And you continue to reconcile the world unto yourself by that same power that raised him through the preaching of the cross, where the light of your life was put on full display in the faith of the Son of God, crucified to the life that can be found in this world. The faith of the Son of your love, crying out, Abba, Abba, for all mankind. And thank you for sealing us up in you, clothing us with your life by the, by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. For you have set the seal of your sonship your da and, and daughtership <laughs> upon us by your Spirit, which is our first installment and guarantee of your inheritance in Christ, giving us everything we need, marking us as your sons and daughters born from above, born of the water and the spirit, having the inheritance of your life poured out on us to guide us, teach us, fill us, strengthen us, sustain us, and enable us to walk in the way, 
in the way you have set before us, in Christ, and in the good works you established us upon all the days of our lives until the full redemption of our corruptible bodies unto incorruptible, eternally with you, possessing the only life you ever saw fitting for your children to have. I thank you, Father. I thank you for this beautiful life that you have given us, your, your very own life, your will, your testament. You are all that we need, all that, that our hearts desire. You, we were everything you desired. Your children, thank you. Thank you for saying, let there be light. And seeing that light and speaking forth Christ, speaking forth Jesus, speaking us forth to have your very light. So, Father, I just pray right now, let there be light in those who are here and those who are listening and those who will listen. Let the light shine forth through the darkness. The darkness of whatever this year, whatever you went through, there's light. He's, the light is there. It's here. It's, it, it's, it's in your mist. It's shining on you, in you. Breaking forth through that darkness. Busting it apart. God just wants to envelope you into his light and his life. He loves you so much. It may seem like there's just darkness all around you. You've gone through so many things this year that just you're coming to the end of the year now and about to walk into a new year and you're wondering, is there any hope? And I'm telling you, there is. He is your hope. He is your life. He's holding out his hands to you. And he's saying, son, daughter, take my hand. All that I am is yours. And I love you. And together, we're going to walk through this. Walk out of the darkness and into the marvelous light of the love that I have for you. I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I love you. You are mine. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs>